What's up? Welcome back to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. And today, we have a guest. This guest is a conceptual designer, an artist, a creative, and he brought a lot to the table in this interview. He did a fantastic job of explaining how he got to where he was, giving us some deep cuts on some early throwbacks to the early sneaker industry, which was really fun from my point of view. He was gracious to bless us with his time, called in from his phone while working on a sneaker. So that was fantastic as well. If you guys do enjoy this show, make sure to leave a follow on your favorite platform or a rating. And with that being said, let's hop right in to our interview. What's going on, everybody? Today's guest has been seen on sites such as Nice Kicks, Hypebeast, Hot New Hip Hop, and many more for their exquisite sneaker customizations. But our guest is not only a customizer, but also an artist, musician, jersey connoisseur, and someone who's constantly trying to evolve their craft. Amassing over 35,000 followers on social media so far, our guest is just getting heated up. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Malcolm Garrett. How are you doing today, Malcolm? I'm good, man. I'm good. How'd you know I was a musician? Uh, you know, luckily for me, I, uh, I listened to some of your previous podcasts in the past, um, and seeing you donate your time to others. It was, you know, it's nice to see someone who is giving others opportunities to speak and conversate. And, you know, during those other podcasts, I listened, I picked up some things up and I, I did find it very interesting that for a while you were dabbling in, in the music side of things. Yeah. 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 I'm, I, I've tried a lot of stuff, man. I've tried, I've tried a lot of things, um, one thing I noticed about life is um, you got to keep reinventing yourself without losing yourself. I think that's the some of the strengths that can be made from trying a variety of things through life, whether they work great for you and you just pivot or they don't work at all. You use all those little tidbits that you pick up over time to, to hone in whatever you want to hone in. Yeah, you learn you learn a lot about yourself by just trying stuff. You know, like a lot of people they don't try anything, so they think they don't have any talent. I mean, you know how many people I run up to say, I'm not creative, I don't have any talent, and I'm like, well, do you try things? And they're like, no, you know, I go out to a bar, and then I'm like, well, there you have it. You don't try anything creative or, or anything new or anything that will spark your mind. You're just doing things that kind of disable you, which I'm not judging, but, you know, don't come to me complaining about you can, you don't you're not creative you don't know how if you don't try right and i think that's the way you look at it is some people think creative is only in certain mediums such as art or editing of some sort but there's thousands of ways to be creative and you just have to f- take the time to try as many things as possible until one of those things stick and then you become geeked out on that and that could be the next career jump for you, the next hobby, or something you just enjoyed for the time being. Yeah, man, it's that simple. It's that simple. Like, I mean, we, I, I, I can put myself in there too. Like, there's times where when I was younger, I'd be like, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that because of this, that, and third. It's just excuses. It's just, it's just excuses. You know, there's no other way to explain it, but just got to try, man. The best way to put it is you just got to try. I mean, at the end of the day, if you aren't, it is making up excuses. And you kind of touched on it there for a second, even as a child. But if we look back to your younger days as a child, what were you thinking was going to be, you know, your dream occupation that some kids have? 
you know, what was Malcolm at that time looking to be? Now, when you say as a child, what age are we talking about? Because I can only, re- I, I can remember, I can remember what I wanted to be when I was in high school. Yeah, I mean, I think that last one you can remember. So from the jump from high school, you know, the shoes you were in to say, this is what I wanted to be as, you know, a teenager. What was that? Uh, design, man. Yeah. I always, 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 I always wanted to design, um, because I was doing that in high school. I had my own art teacher, and um, out of high school, I, I remember what, what really made me want to do it was um, I played basketball too. Mm. And if I'm if I'm ever in Portland, we gotta do one on one. But uh, <laughs> um. We won the championship, and I designed some jackets. I drew some jackets up, and we got them made. And right there, I was like, oh, it's like that? Like, I could just design, draw something, and then it could come to life like that. So I, I, I drew an interest towards that. Mm. And then um, after that, I just started working on retail jobs. Because I didn't, I didn't go to co- I went to college for a year, but it wasn't for, it wasn't for um, design. It was for culinary arts. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, um. Uh, I just was doing that for, for I didn't even finish the year because I was taking I was taking my major was culinary arts but I was t- taking like algebra classes and I just felt like algebra had nothing to do with cooking um, so and then it's like who uses algebra and I don't I, I haven't used algebra in my daily life since I graduated high school so it's like I don't need this and um but to anybody listening I'm not saying don't go to school I was like I'm out. So I left and I started working retail, closed stores, started learning and learning and, you know, started helping other people dress and things like that. And that's basically, like, out of high school, I wanted to design. I didn't care what it was. It, I knew it had to, do some, had to do something with clothing and things like that. But sneakers had nothing. Like, that came in the picture at the age of 30. Oh, wow. Okay. And so in high school, right, I think it takes a little bit of a jump to to get to where you're wanting to put your artwork and creativity to design. Was there someone who put you on to design or was it just something internally that you'd always been doing, whether that was doodling or sketching or looking at, you know, art magazines or graffiti? Was there anything that kind of pushed you to start saying, hey, I'm going to put my my thought process and my creativity into, you know, this jacket or these pieces? It was more internal. Um, it's weird. People always ask me, who do you look up to? Who's your role models? I, I don't have any. I really don't. Um, I I like people's sense of style and see the sense of fashion, but as far as, like, looking up to someone and someone, me looking at someone and I want to be like that, I've never had that. I've, I've never had the desire to, like, look at people like that. Um, it might sound weird to some but I just was never that type of person. So it was always internal. Like most of the motivation comes from in, in inside. Mm-hmm. Me, not, me not being okay with not trying and me not being okay with not creating and in the world, you know, something different. I, I think that's fair. I think there's a lot of personality types that don't necessarily need direct inspiration. And I mean, to have in high school, uh, the personality type to never settle for anything. Uh, you know, looking at your work up to now, you can see that you're always evolving and honing in on the craft and that speaks strong. Um, 
to to that personality type. And the one thing I, I want to ask about the jacket, though, is do you still have the jacket? I still have that jacket. And what's crazy is it's bigger on me now than when it was in high school. So I don't <laughs> even know how I was wearing it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how I was wearing it. But what, I'm, what I plan on doing, this might not be the right word, but reupholstering it. I'll just say remix it. I'm going to, like, probably take it apart and just get it put back together, but to fit me. So <laughs> I still have it. I still have it. It's in my trunk. I just I just brought it out the other day, actually. All right on. I mean, you have to think, too, those early 2000s fits were, were a bit different than fits today, so maybe something changed a little bit or the sizing that you preferred changed a bit. 100% correct. I mean, to be honest, that's not getting... A high school jacket is probably like a size XL, to be honest, or large anyway. But I think, yeah, I think just back then the trend was big close. Yeah, because I, 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 I just remember, you know, I was, I was a little bit younger in the early 2000s. Like I was still going through uh, elementary school and middle school at the time. But I remember being big into hip hop from from an uncle, and I remember, um, you know, early 2000s. And kind of the end of the 90s when we're looking at like Dipset or you're like your young jocks or things like that. Those those fits were something else. So That was definitely the era. That was definitely the time when I was wearing that stuff. No, mm-hmm. no, no. The, that, the time I was wearing that stuff was like Rockefeller, Rock Friday era. They, yeah, they had everything on lock. Dipset and then like 50 Cent and them, they came after yeah, they came, like, when I started working in the clothing industry, like, at, at retail stores and stuff like that. Still was, like, you wear this, you wear this stuff big. You know? but, yeah, that was a crazy time for hip-hop. And, I mean, even looking back on that era, like, the types of sneakers being utilized, or even when we look at the industry that you're currently in and, and the customization of sneakers and the conceptual design is completely different from then. So when would you say that your interest really peaked in, you know, your your personal style and sneakers, or you started to take it seriously, uh, so to speak? I always did. I, I, from, I, like, far sneaker customization, that didn't come until I hit my 30s. Before that, I was always into shoes and fashion and clothes, so I always was putting outfits together. I was always helping other people. I was always the, the one that was different. I laced my shoes different from everybody else. And it just, it wasn't because I was like, I'm going to like do this just to be different. It's just how I was. Like it, it was more of like, I'm lacing my shoes up this way and I, I like how it looks. It wasn't like, I'm going to do it this way because it's different. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you, you don't even see that very often any longer is uh, the, the custom lacing or lacing in different styles. Which was kind of a... It's dead. It's dead now, yeah. And for me, I don't do it no more because I'm, I'm a grown man now. I'm, I don't want to be walking around with, like, unlaced shoes. <laughs> it depends on the shoe. Like, my retro fours, though, I don't lace. It depends on the shoe for me. Like, but every one of my shoes are laced except for my retro fours. Right. And that's just the, the style. Yeah, that's the style for that, too. But everything else, I lace. Yeah. And so we transition from... You know, high school, you've you've won the championship, designed the jacket, decided that, you know, college wasn't your first choice um, and you weren't it wasn't for you. And so you move on to the retail side of things. And what was the first retail gig you remember picking up? I worked against a lot of the store out here. I remember it. I remember a clear day. 
Um, oh, and also, just to, re- just to reiterate, when in high school I hit the game when it shot to win the championship. Okay, okay. Just to add that in there, but um, it was against all odds. I was, I was working at ShopRite. My first job ever was ShopRite. Every Thursday, we got paid. So every Thursday, what I do, I go right across the street to the mall because the mall is right across the street. Like, liter- like literally across the street, and I would go across the street, and I would walk over there. I would go to against a lot, and I would shop. I would buy jerseys, buy, you know, like academics, pants, Jabot jeans, Gucci jeans, Mecca jeans, um, all that stuff, everything that was in at the time. Um, and the guy, one day the guy was like, yo, what do you, what, like, what do, you do? I was like, oh, I work at shop right across the street. He was like, bro, you like you have style, like you always shopping in here, like you looking for a job anytime soon? I'm like, yeah, why not? He's like, all right, well, you know what? Like, when can you come in for an interview? I was like, well, probably next week. And I think I went back for another interview the next week. And he said he sat me down and he was like, listen, um, do you have a problem cleaning bathrooms? And I was like, no. He's like, all right. He was like, all right, you got the job. That was the oh. interview. <laughs> Like, he, he, he's like, do you have a problem cleaning bathrooms? I was like, no. He's like, all right, you got the job. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm sorry for my living. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, when do you want to start? I was like, I'll start Monday. Mind you, I'm still employed at ShopRite. So me, and I'm not, I, I don't want anybody else that's listening to do this, but I am the type, if I have to go, I have to go. I don't give, I don't give two weeks notice because they don't give two weeks notice when they're going to fire you. I'm not going to give you two weeks' notice to let you know that I'm making a better decision for me because you won't give me two weeks' notice to let me know that you're making a better decision for you. So I got my check that Thursday. I went on lunch break, and I never came back. <laughs> <laughs> and I never came back. And I started working at Against All Odds, and I eventually got fired from there. And then I had a bunch of, I had a bunch of other jobs. I saw I going on the street. I, I, I worked at a car dealership. I was unemployed for a minute, and then I went to work for Nike retail for a minute. I got fired from there. Most of my jobs, I either quit or got fired. Yeah, I, I just don't think I was born to work for anyone. If I had to, in order to pay bills, you know. Earlier to what you know, what we're talking about, you know, you had all these different opportunities to learn different facets in different industries, whether it be, you know, retail, car dealing, cologne on the street. Uh, All those give you different insight into, you know, what you want to do, what you want to specialize, what would make, you know, if you had your own product one day, what you do to make that the best product you could put out. And so when you were at Nike, what transitioned you over to Sneaker Studio? Okay, so I was working at Nike. So my boy, my boy, he's he's been my friend for like almost fifteen years, and he's like he used to be a DJ. He used to DJ. All right, so quickly, the way I met him, I was working at against. So it's funny how this story is all together, and it's like now now that I think about it, this is like the universe putting people in the place. So I'm working at against a lot, and one day I went downstairs to the food court. To get something to eat, and I, and I got something to eat, and then as I was walking, I saw a Nextel stand. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a new phone. I wanted ne- this is when the Nextel was in. Mm-hmm. So I went, got the. You remember Nextel? How old are you? I do. I am 25. 
you okay, so you remember Nextel. I I went to go get Nextel and I'm talking to the guy, he's like, we're talking, whatever, whatever. He's like, yo, you work upstairs? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yo, hook it up. I'm like, all right, hook me up. And he's like, got you. So he hooked me up, and I don't remember if I ever hooked him up, but he eventually was like, listen, yo, um, I DJ. If you ever want to go out, you could come out with me. How old are you? I'm like, I'm 20. He's like, don't worry about it. You, you with me. You're good. I'm like, all right, cool. Little did I know I had to carry crates. We we go out with him. I used to carry his crates. We used to whatever, whatever. So shit built, and then eventually he had got his degree in business in college. So eventually I started like fast forward to 2009. I started working with Nike, and then um, he's like, "Yo, I'm gonna open a store. It's gonna be sneakers and clothes and hats and stuff." He's like, I'm, "I need you to help me because I know you know your stuff. Like you, you, this is what you do." I'm like, "All right, cool. I'll help." So I would go to the store help help them build. I helped them build it from the ground up. Mm-hmm. I mean, laying wood, laying laying wood and everything. Like we actually had a studio booth inside there where we would record music. That's why it was called the Sneaker Studio. Mm. Oh wow! Okay. We we actually recorded live music there, like of us and other people. We built a booth and everything, and people would come in. And when you came in the store, you saw the booth. Like you saw people in there recording. So it was an experience. And eventually. I started being late to work because I was helping him. And then kept being late, kept being late, is eventually is the reason why I was fired. So I was like, yo, bro, they fired me because I was helping you. It was good. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I'll hire you. I'll put you on the books. I was like, cool. He's like, but I'm not going to be able to give you what they're giving you because obviously we're starting out fresh. Don't worry about it. I'll collect, I'll collect unemployment and then still work with you. I was straight. And then that's how I started working at the Sneaker Studio. And then 11 years later, I left. And I'm doing my own thing now. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. That was the longest job I've ever had. And I did give him two weeks notice because he's my friend. I actually gave him a month notice. But, um, yeah, that's how it all kicked off. Yeah, it's crazy how that, that now that you, you explain that story in a little bit more detail, how it all kind of came full circle from, you know, the the next cell chirp or, you know, whatever phone it may have been at that time to, you know, transitioning into building the foundation of a very experiential retail space. Um, with a, a stu- I would have never thought of that idea to, to see a studio inside of a, a retail space definitely brings to the experience, brings some atmosphere. I'm sure you guys had some very loyal customers rolling through. Oh yeah, we did. We, did. we had a few guys that came religiously either to record or shop or even just to hang out. Like even like the kids would come near the kids in high school and the kids in, in grammar school, they would stop by with their skateboards or their bikes and come and just hang out. And, you know, we just have them do little, little things around the shop. Like, Hey, do this for a dollar, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> an experience. It was an experience for people. And so when you look back on those 10 or 11 years, do you have any, you know, memories that that stick out whether it was a, a release or you know a certain instance or anything that happened or someone coming through the store that you remember about sneaker studio i've met a lot of people that i am still cool with today still tight with i learned a lot about more about the fashion industry due to the fact that i got to travel to like different shows like agenda liberty um capsule things like that so I learned a lot more. I met a lot of a lot more people along the journey as 
as far as like going to these shows. Um, that's actually how I got plugged in with Nice Kicks, and and that story that story is crazy too. Like, I I think that would be the craziest story I remember, because everything else was dope, but it wasn't like it didn't stand out. Like the Nice Kicks story stood out, and the way that happened was I was in Agenda in Vegas, and I walked. I was walking past. I went to the Nice Kicks booth. I was walking past it, and I saw the Nice Kicks booth. And I had a pair of my customs on. But in dawn, um, like, I didn't go to the booth to tell them I do customs. I saw a hat that they had. It was a hat that they had there. And I was like, wow, that hat is fly. So I went up to the booth. There was a lady there, and it was two guys. So I said to the lady, because she was sitting at the table with the hats, I said, um, how much are you charging for these hats? And she said to me, she was like, who are you? Like, she said it just like that, who are you? And first thing I thought, like, what's wrong with her? I told, I told, her, I told her my name. I was like, my name is Malcolm. I, you know, I want to know if I could purchase a hat. And she was like, no, that's just for friends and family. And I'm like, okay, walk away. So I'm at my booth now because at this point, we were doing well enough at the sneaker studio. We were able to buy a booth because not only were we, we had, I put it like this. We started a, um, a custom, like not custom, but we started a jewelry line like a, a gold-plated jewelry line. Like an in-house line? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was an in-house line. So we would get booths at Agenda to sell those things wholesale. So I went back to my booth, and, and I designed all those, most of those jewelry pieces that we pushed out. I went back to my booth. At the end of the show, um, a guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, I saw you at the Nice Kicks booth. I actually worked there. <laughs> He's like, sometimes she could be a little, you know, the B word. And I'm like, it's cool, man. Like, whatever. And he's like, um, if there's anything I can do to help you, like, what's your address? I'll send you some stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. Here was my address. And I'm like, oh, by the way, I do custom sneakers too. Something on my, something just tapped me on my shoulder to tell, to say, tell him that. It's the furthest thing on my mind, to be honest with you. And I was like, by the way, I do custom sneakers. And he's like, oh, word, I'm a writer for Nice Kicks. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I, I do write-ups. I'm like, wow. I was like, what's your contact information? So he gave me his information. He actually sent me his stuff. I sent him I sent him of our pieces as a thank you. Years later, he still would tell me, like, dude, I still wear that piece. And that just goes to show you. That's how you build relationships. People do for you, you do for them. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't even have to be about money. It doesn't have to be about Whatever, it, it's just a relationship that you build on, and he actually likes jerseys too, so we connected on that, and that's how that relationship formulated. That's how I was able to just do work and send him pictures, and he would do a write-up on it. Oh, what? So what year was this? It had to be four, 2014 or 15, because I started in 2014. Okay, so this is like the like kind of the the peak era of nice kicks too they were i remember when sneaker blog, blogs were booming too yeah yeah man yeah and for me i you know the custom sneaker wave has been around since like 2000 to the 2000 era like but it was more like putting material issue like the louis v print the gucci print and um big wild letters and things like that it wasn't to where what what i'm doing like, mm -hmm. what I'm doing is giving you color colorways that you haven't seen, but you're like, wow, I think that could come out. So you know, I caught that wave. I caught the wave at the right I caught the resurgence of the wave at the right time. 
So when you're at Agenda and, you know, at Sneaker Studio, you know, at the same time, so you're cus- are you customizing sneakers kind of in your free time as a hobby at this point, or are you still doing it as like a side job to, to the retail gig? Yeah, it was something I was just like, let me try it. So, yeah, it definitely started off as a hobby, um, and I was working at the sneaker studio. But the more I did it, the more I fell in love with it. I'm like, wow, this is dope. And I, in the beginning, I was just doing all my shoes. It wasn't until I did a shoe, I went to the mall, I bought a, I bought a, a Jordan 1, a Jordan 1 mid, and I painted it royal, I painted it royal blue and gold. And I put, it up on, I put it up on Instagram, and somebody was like, how much? That, that's when I was like, oh, okay. So I sold it. And I was like, all right. So I started doing it more and doing it more and doing it more. So I'm like, okay. Then I started getting more inquiries about pricing and, and all these things. And I'm like, okay, I could turn this into a, a hustle, a side hustle. So that's what I started doing. But I found myself being up to like 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning doing these shoes because obviously I had to work at the sneaker studio and I didn't get off until 7, 8 o'clock at night doing these shoes. And so from that first shoe and from that, you know, that moment that it clicked for you, did you have a business plan or a strategy moving forward to, to scale, you know, and, and see an income that you, you know, you could live off of? Did you have a plan in place or come up with a plan shortly after? I'm going to answer that question by saying this. I just, I just, I just started developing, developing a plan like two weeks ago. I mean, that sometimes that's how it works. You just, you know, one step at a time, you do what you're good at, and then eventually you finally have time to step back and say, where do I want to take this thing? Yeah, I was winging it for the, for the last five years. I was winging it because, you know, at times there was times where I got no work, and I was just like, damn. And there was times where I had work, but it was just like, damn. And my prices was lower, and I'm getting constant work. So I'm just like, I need to know how much money I'm making, and I need to know how much money I'm spending on supplies, um, bus travel to go to New York to supplies or, you know, traveling to the art stores and picking up this and getting that. Like, I need to keep track of that. So just recently I hired, like, a management team to help me out, to help me get, a, like, a, an assistant, like a college student. Okay, like an intern or something. Yeah, like an intern. And now that I'm LLC, that intern can use it as college credits. Oh, right on, helping the community. Nice. Yeah, so it it works out now. Before, when I was getting interns, they understood what an intern was, but they wasn't really trying to stick around that long. Payments weren't going to be consistent. Like, I would pay them, but it would be whenever I could. Now that everything is really rolling and more people know about me and more opportunities are coming, it's like, you have to take this serious. And a, a friend of mine actually said to me, he was like, yo, man, you need to stop treating it like a hobby. Like, it's a business now. You're at a point where it's a business. The minute you start treating it as, a, as if it's a business, he was like, you'll start making money. You'll start seeing what you need to see. I mean, that's a that's a good connection right there. A real solid friend to, you know, kind of cut out the BS and just kind of let lay it down and let it be known from his point of view and let you, you know, kind of mull and think about it um, to, you know, at least to, with positive intentions. For sure. And, and this is a guy that I do shoes for. You know, I, I've known him for the last two years, and he's been an integral part in my life, just, you know, always having work for me to do. And, you know, he said to me, he's like, yo, man, you need to treat this as a business. It's not a hobby anymore. So that, that's my mindset now. 
And so now knowing, you know, you're taking this, not saying you weren't take it, taking it incredibly serious before, but now that you have the mindset that it is a business, um, it's scalable, could you explain how your approach to customizing a sneaker, you know, may have changed or just generally what your process is from, you know, from a thousand foot view from start to finish of a, a client's order? I definitely take my time now. I'm I'm more I'm more like into it. I'm more focused on that shoe at that moment at that time. Before it was like, oh, I got to do five shoes today. Start one. All right, let me hurry up and try to finish so I can start that. Nah, now it's like whatever I finish today is what I finish, whether it's one or three. I set a goal. I try to say two a day, but I take my time now, and that's what's actually. Taking my time has actually um, made my customers better. It's made me appreciate my talent. It's made me understand what goes into it. And it just, I just produce a better overall project. Yeah. And I think that's something, you know, it sounds like the evolution, it's, it's quality over quantity, which is so easy to get lost up in today. Like, when you look at social media or, you know, you're playing keeping up with the Joneses, whatever it may be, to understand that, you know, if you can make a quality product consistently, that's going to far outshine if you're making, you know, maybe five half-assed customizations a day as opposed to one just incredible pair, you know, that goes to that customer and that customer tells their friends or posts it on their social or some side of growth comes from that quality product. What would you say now that you take more time is the the detail or the step that is most time consuming or the most kind of nuance to you? Um taping taping is a taping is a mother. <laughs> taping. But now I have done let's just say Jordan once for instance. I've done him so many, I just know know the right. the, the ends and outs of it. But taping is the most taping taping. I mean, paint, the, the, the paint part is nothing. That's easy because I, I use the airbrush and I do hand painting. But that's nothing. It's just masking off the areas that you don't want to hit and keeping open the areas you do want to hit. But also ensuring that it's paint secure enough that, that that paint mist doesn't get in the area that you don't want it to. I mean, and that kind of can show your, your commitment, right? That's a step. That seems very minor to someone who isn't familiar with custom customizing sneakers that, you know, oh, I can just tape, this looks good. But as you said, like ensuring, you know, being proactive and reactive to make sure that you don't have to go back and do something again. And you know, you know, it's sealed off correctly can make that extra stride in the end. Yeah. And, and especially like, especially um, if you get tape. I mean, if you get paint, like say you're doing like a van, a canvas shoe, or a shoe with material like mesh or suede, if you get paint on that suede on a white on a white canvas or white, you're, you're doomed. Like yeah. you're doomed. Yeah. You have to make sure that area is secure. There's been times where I've messed up a shoe and I had to buy. I, me- I messed up a foam posit one time, and foam posits aren't cheap. That's for sure. Are, are not cheap, so... I messed it up, and I had to buy a whole new phone podcast. I told the customer, I go, listen, I messed your shoe up. I did get you another one, and I'm going to just redo it. Learn from the mistake mm-hmm. I made the first time. But, yeah, man, it, it's it's more to it. Like, people, I get a lot, like, I don't get a lot of it, but people will say, oh, why are you charging that much? You're just painting. 
and the the personal value and time, experience, knowledge that goes into a single pair is far more valuable than just getting a you know someone who's doing a, an eighty dollar customization as opposed to you know what you've done to accrue this experience over five years or over five years, six years, seven years at this point. Um, you know, something that it, I don't understand why people overlook it, but it's it's a shame that they do. People are cheap. I mean, it's true. It's not the price they want to hear. Then, oh, my God, it's too much. Why are you charge so much? You're just painting. Like, no, it's not just painting. And the crazy part is I take all my own pictures. It's, yeah. it, it's a marketing thing for me, too. Like, I have to think of marketing strategy. My customs, don't, I don't get work if my pictures aren't dope. Like, my pictures sell. My customs sell. My pictures sell the customers. And that's something I was going to kind of tap into a little later, but I'm glad you brought it up. Your photography background, not only of sneakers, but portrait photography um, in various types. Where did that come from? Like, how long have you been taking photos from to understand some of those more minute details that can bring the picture alive or the, you know, the product alive in certain angles and lighting and uh, color schemes? You, um, it's funny you ask me that. My ex-girlfriend, she's like, how do you know where the place to shoot? Like, like how do you even know this? I, was like, I don't know. Like, I guess I guess he's just a visionary. Like, I, I consider myself visionary. Like, I really sometimes have visions of things. Mm-hmm. I see things. I see things from the start to the finish when it comes to creating. Oh, so, so yeah, and that's a, a rare thing to naturally have that vision, you know, and to put it so well into your product. Um, uh, you know, I, I could understand where, where it's coming from, from, you know, your perspective is like, it just kind of comes natural. It's what I do. And, you know, in my head, I can paint this vivid picture. I may not be able to explain it as easily to you, but just let me do it and it'll get done. There's sometimes I see things. I'm like, all right, I, I need this type of shoe. I'm going to paint it like this. This is going to be here. And then when I'm done with it, this is the type of picture that I'm going to take. And when I take the picture, this is how I'm going to edit it. After I edit it, um, this is how I'm gonna post it, and then boom. So it's it's all it's all a, a, a plan, you know. It's nothing's by mistake. Something is happening by mistake, but for the most part, I'm actually really like I'm actually like doing like running a plan from start to finish with these shoots. That's why I like in the, like in the near future, I want to do a, um, a day in the life. I want to have a, a day a day where I'm doing everything, like everything. Where I'm, I'm doing a shoe, I'm dropping it off at the post office, I'm printing out, you know, the, the, the labels. I got to run to New York to get product, maybe run to New York and even design, like, because I design clothing, too. I don't, you might have saw that, but I, where I go to New York and I'm designing a, 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 piece of, a piece of, you know, clothing or whatever, and then I come back to Jersey, finish off, you know, the shoes, take the pictures, or even take pictures of the clothing I'm designing, come back, edit it. I want to show everyone what it is to be like, you know, in my shoes on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'd be down to watch that. I mean, understanding your schedule and how busy it is and what goes into the craft of the sneaker outside of just the customization, all the little errands that you have to do in and out, you know, that may kind of show some of those people who are looking for an inexpensive product, what you're providing is a value. And you kind of talked about, you know, doing that in the future. Is there any, you know, things coming up or what your next step is for you? 
Um, yeah, man. I, I'm. I got my management team. They're looking to get my name out there, help me design it for brands, consulting with brands. That's what I want to do. I want to design for brands, consult with brands, work with brands. I don't want to work for brands. Um, I want to work with them. I want to do photography uh, for brands. Um, collaboration efforts, all paid collaboration efforts. Um, and as well as like going to different stores, maybe setting up a pop-up shop where I do custom speakers on the spot, things like that. I, I really think I can do something like that and go on tour with it, go to different stores in different states. Like nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing that. I'm here. I'm honestly here to, to revolutionize the game another level. I see. I see. The other day, I saw now they're doing like some custom speaker metal thing on MTV. It it, it scares me in, in a sense that now people really won't appreciate. The value, of, the value of a customizer and the time they put in, because with this show, it's a it's a it's a competition, racing against the they're racing against the clock to finish a shoe. The viewer is going to be like, oh, these cats can do a shoe in thirty minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is he telling me two weeks? Why is he telling me a month? Like, that's what the viewer is going to see. And then I just feel like any once anything hits TV, it gets watered down. Yeah, I was gonna say you could you could argue it could bring a, a new market in that isn't familiar with overall from my opinion and you know, I've been interested in sneakers for over, you know, ten years now, even though I am relatively younger, I can say that based on the way you're positioning yourself in the market with, you know, your natural ability for photography, you know, you're not using cheesy names you're saying authentic to like you said, products that could be coming out, you know, they are quality, you aren't over complicating things you're keeping things simple that speaks volumes it's just as you said getting in front of the right people over time once that happens things are going to start click clicking and rolling it's just like right on the brink of that happening you know and i'm excited to see it happen for you here in the next couple of years or so it's just you know like your whole process so far is just slowly kind of building up and building on that next step the things that are coming together me getting my team you know, I did a paint and sip sneakers last like two weeks ago. So things like that. It's all coming to fruition. But I just want to revolutionize the game in a sense where it's like you can you can pick up a hobby and turn it into anything, especially something like this. Because I'm gonna be honest, I had a few people when I first started like, oh, you think you Picasso? Why are you painting for? It? You should go, let's go out, let's do this. Ah, uh, you can paint tomorrow. Like it was a lot of I had a lot of that. I'm just like, like just let me do what I want to do. You know, so that, 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 I just want to show people like, oh, you can really like turn this into like something. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're there, you're growing the following, you're putting in the right steps, you know, you've started creating a business plan, you're taking it seriously and the growth opportunity is there. And especially now that you've set these goals, that is, you know, you can work towards or utilize the law of attraction to get towards. And so at this point kind of do a little quicker and fun segment a little overtime a couple yes or no either or questions and just kind of some fun sneaker related things so i'm going to throw some questions at you malcolm and you can just give me a simple you know yes or no or either or here cool all right do you prefer high tops or low tops yeah three quarters okay yeah. that in, throw it in the middle uh do you prefer keeping the original sneaker box no box or like a sneaker containment or storage system um, I don't really care, man. I mean, I do do the plastic bins, but I don't care, man. Like, yeah. I, I don't care. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care. 
I get sneakers to wear, bro. I don't, I don't stock. I don't rock and stock. I get one and I wear it. And I'm yeah, I'm in, the, I'm in the same boat. Following that up, do you, uh, do you have any shoes that you know you've only worn once? No. Nice. That's what I like to hear. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm the type. If I buy it on Saturday, I'm gonna wear it Sunday, probably till Thursday. Do you have any personal mottos, sayings, phrases that you stand by or that you found true in your life? A motto I discovered, which was my own, is one that I, I um. So obviously, I do photography. Camera, it was a camera. That I was, I was, I was itching to get. I was like obsessed. I, was like, I need this camera. I need this camera. I need this camera. I had a camera, but I'm just like, I need this one. I need this. At, my, at the time, my ex girlfriend, she's like, Yo, shut up about the camera. Like you'll get, you'll, you'll get it. Like you'll get it. I'm like, No, I need it. I need it. So I get the camera, um, and the next day I returned it because for one, I had to, I had to, re, I had to relearn a new camera. And two, I had a photo shoot that weekend, so I didn't have time to relearn a new camera. And three, other photographers, seasoned photographers, kept telling me, like, bro, don't do it. Like, learn your camera first. Then once you learn your camera and now and you feel like there's no use of it to you anymore, then mm-hmm. you move on. I didn't listen. So I got the camera, and I returned it the next day because I could I just couldn't learn it. It's like, oh, my God, it's frustrating. So the model that I learned was the things you desire may not be the things you need. Okay. Okay, I can dig that. It, it, and it applies to anything. That's strong, especially for a personal one, you know, that you use your experiences to create. And so lastly here, Malcolm, if you could go back in time and tell high school Malcolm, who had just hit the game winner state championship shot and created the jacket, you had one one conversation with him. What would what would you tell him? It's funny. It's funny you asked me this because I just posted this on my story last week. I said to my, I said I would tell my younger self to not be scared to turn thirty. Be scared to turn eighteen. The real scary the real scary stuff is becoming an adult. It gets real. So when you turn eighteen, it's like oh my god, it's real. By thirty, you should be used to the world BS. Everything should just be. Not not cruise control, but you should know how to handle it by 30. Don't be scared to turn 30. Be scared to turn 18. That's solid, yeah. Pick that up early enough. That everyone's, yeah, everyone tells you about the later years. No one tells you about that crucial year, those first crucial years, uh, and changing up and the path that'll follow. I appreciate your time for hopping in on the podcast and providing some real value, not only about how the sneaker industry has helped you create you know your path and not work for anyone but some of the obstacles overcame during that time uh and lastly where can where can they find your work or you know find your website oh um my my instagram is at at malcolm garrett um my website is by malcolm garrett.com that's malcolm m-a-l-c-o-l-m G-A-R-R-E-T. There you have it, guys. I'll put all of Malcolm's information in the show notes below. I, I really do believe you should check out his work. Uh, you will notice the difference between how he's crafting his story with his sneakers and the photography and the customizations from the other customizers in the game. Stays humble, is continuing to push on, uh, and has a groovy jersey collection and maybe we'll get him on the podcast again to talk about that but i thank you for your time malcolm so there you have it 
Thank you for listening. It was a great podcast. I think if you took anything away, whether it was sneaker related, sneaker customization tips about the journey of Mr. Malcolm Garrett, or just became familiar with him, go ahead and check out his social and his website linked below. That's Malcolm, M-A-L-C-O-L-M, Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T on social media. And I thought it was super insightful. I think it was great to, you know, see someone who's progressed to where they are and found their passion. And it happened to be with sneakers. So I hope you guys did enjoy. If you haven't, go ahead and follow and rate the podcast. And I'll catch you next Sunday.